All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today is a rapid reaction where I am giving you my big takeaways from the Falcons 29 to 15, week 17 loss of the Buffalo Bills. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans, putting up occasional weekly content at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Falcons is, of course, a rapid reaction where I am coming to you a few hours after the Falcons week 17 loss of the Buffalo Bills by a score of 29 to 15 to give you the lowdown talking about the game summary, uh, as well as uh, giving out grades for the offense, defense and special teams, and then sort of getting into my sort of big topic of the day at the end of the show, which is going to be focusing on how this was the basically the competitive game against a quality opponent that we've been talking up on locked on Falcons all season long uh, and talking about how, you know, we had to wait 17 weeks to get that. And we'll get into that at the end of today's show. But before we get into all of that, guys, I want to thank you for making locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. And of course, Locked on Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And of course, now free and available on YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. So before we jump into the game summary, for those of you guys that missed the game, we just need a reminder of what happened in a game. I will not be uh, getting into a rant about the officiating in this game. We will certainly talk about it when we get to that part of the game summary. But up front, I'll tell you that I'm not one of these people that blames officiating or anything like that. I certainly will acknowledge when the officiating has been poor and it has been poor uh, throughout the NFL for many years. Um, but I think as a football team, it is your job to overcome that because that is a, a basically poor officiating. It's an unknown whether or not you're going to get the calls or they're going to go against you, but it is a known unknown because you know that officiating is going to potentially impact the game and it's your job to play a good game of football. So it doesn't necessarily negatively impact you. Um, and you know, for me, the Falcons got some calls. They didn't get some calls in their favor. That's how most NFL games go. Um, so if you're expecting me to say, oh, the refs cost us a game or anything like that, you're probably watching the wrong show, you know, and a lot of that is due to the fact that my grandfather used to officiate games in college and high school level in the, in the, uh, state of Virginia. Uh, I have a cousin who, who does that now currently. So I have a lot more sympathy for the difficulties of that job, uh, than probably your average fan, but we'll get to that when we cross, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'm sorry. Um, and what's interesting is I wrote a column for the Falcoholic again, an occasional column, uh, for that website this week and talked about how the battle in the trenches would be instrumental. And I talked about my expectation that the Falcons would try to run the football, control time of possession, you know, use the quick passing game to sort of complement their running game in the hopes that they can keep Buffalo's offense off the field uh, with that strategy. And I think the Falcons came as close as you possibly could to 
executing that game plan fairly flawlessly, at least in the first half. They didn't necessarily win time of possession uh, by possessing the ball about 14 and a half minutes. So they had about half, uh, almost half the time of possession, but they did run the ball effectively. They had 65 yards on 14 carries, a yards per carry of 4.6, a success rate of 79% in the first half. They were successful on four of five short yardage runs and, and um, you know, that's, for the worst short yardage rushing team in the NFL this season on their opening few possessions. Uh, they featured a number of screen passes to Cordero Patterson. The first play of the game was a tight end screen to Kyle Pitts. That's the first tight end screen they've attempted all season long to Kyle Pitts. The Falcons were very efficient in their short passing game. Uh, Matt Ryan had a success rate of 60% on all his throws that were under 15 yards and only 25% uh, success rate on throws over 15 yards. Uh, but after that opening drive, you know, saw the Falcons kind of move the ball to midfield before ultimately punting. They got a big play on special teams, which is something they probably also needed. And we've talked about in recent weeks where they've gone up against a superior opponent. You kind of need your special teams to make a play for you and win that third phase of the game. And the Falcons got that when Avery Williams put a big hit on Marcus Stevenson uh, to force a fumble the ball bounced into the end zone. The bills did recover it, but it ultimately resulted in a safety giving the Falcons a very quick two nothing lead. Of course, the Falcons then went three and out on their subsequent drive. Thanks to a sack on third down by Teron Johnson, where he was able to beat Kawaji Olison uh, on a blitz for that sack. Uh, then the bills basically finally got their offense on the field. They came out throwing, throwing the ball eight straight plays on their opening 15 play scoring drive only had two called run plays, including uh, a one yard scoring run to finish off the drive on a quarterback keeper by Josh Allen. Allen was dealing on that drive. He completed six of 12 passes for 65 yards had a six yard scramble and the one yard touchdown run. Uh, basically most of his misses were instances where he threw the ball too hard and they wound up deflecting off of the receiver's hands in the cold weather, uh, which would become a running theme later in the game. But, you know, I think uh, the Falcons next possession only lasted two plays uh, to sort of respond to that bills touchdown. Greg Rousseau, uh, was able to loop around Caleb McGarry, uh, get the sack strip on Matt Ryan. The Bills recovered. Jalen Mayfield got pushed back uh, in the pocket by Harrison Phillips, uh, and that prevented Matt Ryan from stepping up and allowed Russo to, to come make the play. The Bills quickly capitalized off that turnover, going up 14-2 to with another Allen touchdown run on a four-yard quarterback sweep. With the second quarter starting, the Falcons – Offense finally got into gear, running the ball effectively uh, with carries to Allison, Patterson, and Davis. The Falcons also benefited from a roughing the passer penalty on Ed Oliver for pushing Ryan, uh, you know, which gave um, the Falcons offense new life uh, and that put them in the red zone. And then the Falcons failed to capitalize thanks to pressure forcing a throwaway. And then uh, Young Way Koo came out and hit the 28-yard field goal uh, to cut the Bills lead to 14-5 to with 10 minutes to go in a half. Buffalo went all the way down the field, uh, showing a lot more balance in their offense. But on the 12th play of the drive at the Falcons 10, Allen was able to avoid pressure on a pass play uh, from both Mike Pinnell and Dante Fowler and then threw back across his body. Uh, and then the ball was deflected off of Foye Oluwakun's hands and caught by Deron Harmon in the end zone for an interception. And then the first play out, Matt Ryan hit 
Kyle Pitts on a shot play on a crosser over the middle. He was able to turn up field, deliver a brutal stiff arm to a Bills defender and got 61 yards on that play. And then Mike Davis took care of the rest of that drive, uh, carrying the ball four times for 19 yards, including a one yard scoring run to cap off the drive just after the two minute warning, cutting Buffalo's lead to 14 to 12. Uh, then on the second play of the ensuing Bills series, Allen overthrew Cole Beasley down the seam and AJ Terrell came off his man, read it perfectly, made the diving grab for a second interception of the day that gave the Falcons the ball at their own 44 yard line. The Falcons failed to capitalize as uh, Kyle Pitts seemed to tweak a hammy early on the drive and exited the game. But then on third and 10, uh, Matt Ryan was able to step up, avoid pressure, flip the ball to Mike Davis for a 15-yard conversion that was followed up by a 24-yard gain by Russell Gage on a simple screenplay that put the ball inside the uh, uh, the Bills' 10-yard line at the six. And then a couple of plays later, the Falcons were able to hit a 24-yard field goal from Youngway Koo in the closing seconds of the half to take a 15-14 to lead. The Bills started out with the ball in the second half, and Allen's second pass of the ensuing drive was tipped by Michael Walker. Foye Olakun then snagged the, the deflected ball for the third Bills interception of the day, returning at 18 yards to the Bills' 25-yard line. But the Falcons failed to capitalize after a three-yard loss on a run to Patterson to start the drive. Then that was followed by a four-yard loss on a sack by Ed Oliver when Ryan tried to step up in the pocket. And then the Falcons wound up punting the ball back to the Bills, and that basically pretty much killed the the chances of the Falcons winning the game at that point in time. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, But, you know, basically, uh, you know, the Bills decided they were going to run the football. From that point on, given that Josh Allen had thrown three interceptions in his last four passes, it was almost like the end of the what, what, what game was that where Rosen, Franks and, and Matt Ryan all threw like consecutive interceptions in that game. So, um, you know, the Devin Singletary sort of took over the game at that point in time on the Bills subsequent 11 play scoring drive. He carried the ball seven times. Uh, that drive took six and a half minutes off the clock. Um, and then you had Allen having three runs of his own. That accounted for 30 yards. Uh, Singletary had 41 yards on his seven carries. Uh, Allen only attempted one pass on that drive, and Singletary capped it off with a six-yard score up the middle. Uh, that was followed by a successful two-point conversion to Cole Beasley in the flat, uh, and that gave Buffalo a 22-15 to lead. Atlanta tried to get back to their running ways, found some early success on the subsequent drive, but then on the fourth play of the series, Matt Ryan scrambled to avoid pressure, then was able to flip the ball to Cordero Patterson, broke several tackles for a 24-yard game, but that positive game was wiped out uh, due to an illegal pass um, illegal forward pass penalty on Matt Ryan uh, where he was basically just a hair past the line of scrimmage and that um, uh, cost the Falcons 24 yards and then on the subsequent third and nine Matt Ryan's you know floated up a pass on Alameda Zacchaeus he couldn't bring it in inbounds and the Falcons punted with three minutes left in the third quarter the Bills went on another seven minute scoring drive this one lasted 12 plays again relying on a steady mix of Josh Allen runs who had three runs Zach Moss had two runs and Devin Singletary had four with Singletary again getting his second touchdown punching it in by overpowering Darren Hall on a four-yard scoring run with just under 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, things didn't start off well for the Falcons on their subsequent drive. Jalen Mayfield uh, got flagged for holding, but still gave up a sack to Harrison Phillips 
to start out that drive. Uh, then you had a pass interference penalty uh, on the Bills um, in, in that gave the Falcons a fresh set of downs, even though the officials did miss a roughing the passer penalty on that same play with the pass interference uh, against Matt Ryan, where his helmet got hit. Um, and so the Falcons uh, then were able to get the ball to Russell Gage and Cordero Patterson and Parker Hesse stepping up with, with absent Kyle Pitts and an absent Hayden Hurst in this game and made a couple of key plays to get the ball into the red zone before the big controversial play at the end of the game that we were referring to with the questionable officiating uh, second and seven or second and goal from the seven Matt Ryan scrambled dove into the end zone and seemingly scored uh, was hit by Jordan Poyer as he was crossing into the end zone uh, for what seemingly could have been called a late hit um, got up, you know, sort of spun the ball in, in Jordan Poyer's face, said something to him uh, post game. Matt Ryan basically said he, what he said, didn't think that was a big deal. I think it was the ball spin that they got him for taunting uh, more so than what he said. Um, the officials flagged him for taunting, um, and but it didn't seem to matter because, uh, you know, he scored, right? But, of course, all scoring plays are reviewed, and so upon review, it was ruled that Matt Ryan was down at the half-yard line uh, because he was deemed to have been giving himself up when he dove and his knee touched, um, you know, at the one and the ball was at the half yard line uh, before he crossed into the end zone. And, you know, that was a questionable decision. I mean, people were sitting here, you know, proclaiming, hey, if we give himself up, wouldn't that be a late hit or whatever the case may be? So basically, uh, instead of cutting the Bills' lead to 29-22 to with six minutes left in the game, the Falcons were now facing a third and goal from their 16 with the 15-yard penalty from the taunting play. And, of course, you know, the Falcons didn't take advantage of that being pushed back. They they missed a back shoulder play to Russell Gage in the end zone. And then on fourth and goal, uh, Matt Ryan kind of threw up a prayer into the end zone, um, and it was broken up uh, in the end zone on a, a sort of a mini Hail Mary uh, from 16 yards away. So uh, basically at that point in time, Buffalo just ran out the clock uh, with their lead now safe. Um, and so if you certainly, um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people as they were, you know, immediately after the game, blaming the officials for costing the Falcons game. I, I'll always counter that by saying the Falcons had plenty of opportunities, particularly in the second half of this game um, and, and didn't take advantage of those opportunities. They also needed to get a stop um, even after the failed score, uh, in the closing minutes to have to get a stop defensive stop and then to go down the field, uh, the length of the field and score a touchdown just to even tie the game. So it feels a little bit of a stretch to say that that one, uh, ruling cost the Falcons the game. But if you want to say that the refs screwed the Falcons on that one play, absolutely. I I'd agree with you, but I wouldn't go as far as to say it cost the Falcons the game. But uh, we'll talk about this game a little bit further, talking about the game grades for the offense, defense, and special teams, as this should wind up being, I think, one of the highest graded losses that we've seen from the Falcons so far this year. So that's a positive, I guess, if you can take that away. But before we get into that, I always thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. But I always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And of course, you should be checking out the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast on the same podcast platforms that you check out Lockdown Falcons, including on YouTube to get the lowdown on the Bulldogs big win over the weekend uh, as they head to the national title game uh, next week. So go check out Lockdown Bulldogs on your favorite podcast platform. So guys, I know 
many of you probably didn't take advantage of the great sale that built bar had at their website, built.com this past week uh, to bring in the new year. Uh, but don't worry, built bar still got you covered. They still got some of those great flavors like Ruby chocolate, lemon dip, cheesecake, gingerbread, eggnog, caramel, macchiato, coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, salted caramel, and so much more. And of course you want to take care of built bar because built bars, are just like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. Uh, they're the best tasting protein bar on the market. Unlike candy bars, they're low in sugar, calories, carbs, and fat, but high in protein and fiber. So make sure you get your new year started uh, the best way you can by heading over to built.com. And when you do use that promo code lock 15 for 15% off, you're not getting 22% off, but you're still getting 15% off with that promo code lock 15 at built.com. So let's get into the game grades, looking at the pass offense, rush offense, pass defense, rush defense, and of course, the all-important special teams. And starting off with the pass offense, I gave that unit a C. Uh, I, I feel like the Falcons deserve some sympathy points because I feel like they did the best they could given their circumstances. They were efficient on the short, quick passing game early on, but once they fell behind in the second half, the Bills pass rush, which we knew was going to give them some problems this week, uh, was able to assert itself a lot more in the Falcons offensive line, could not hold up. Matt Ryan did miss some throws early on in the game, but I'm going to blame that on the snow and wind and the weather conditions 10 miles per hour which is what i was i saw uh, at kickoff isn't necessarily crazy windy um but we know that matt ryan's throws aren't necessarily cutting through the air at this point in his career so they're going to have a lot more, you know 10 miles per hour is going to have a lot more negative impact on his throws than they would for josh allen or you know pretty much every every other starting quarterback in the nfl but um you know i think you throw that in and then you couple that with losing Kyle Pitts for pretty much the entirety of the second half. Uh, if only they had elevated Marvin Hall this week instead of Austin Trammell from the practice squad to replace Tajay Sharp, who was out with COVID. You also had Hayden Hurst, who was out with COVID. So you lose Sharp, you lose Hurst, you, you eventually lose Pitts. You know, that you're not going to have a whole lot to go for in your passing game, basically. Now, we could probably sit here and nitpick and say, okay, well, maybe that means you get more Cordero Patterson involved. Maybe you do more screens because it didn't seem like the Falcons called up many screens in the second half of the game. Maybe you could catch the Bills off guard with their pass rush, pinning their ears back in that situation. But I'll wait till I watch the film before I, I get too critical in that regard. Uh, the offensive line struggled. McGarry struggled. Mayfield struggled. Um, I saw, you know, missed blocks from pretty much everybody across this offensive line. Um, we knew that they were going to have to play particularly well against a formidable Bills front who's not great in sacks, but gets a lot of pressure. I think, you know, depending on what metrics websites you look at, they're like top three in terms of pressure this year. Um, and the O-line didn't really step up. You know, they, they were certainly serviceable for stretches, but when you look at the final box score, they gave up five sacks, eight quarterback hits. And a lot of that came because, you know, they were getting pushed up the middle, which, again, I, I continue to stress. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan had opportunities to step up in the pocket and invade. Uh, and when the, you know, interior offensive line could hold those blocks, he was able to do some stuff. Uh, as he we've seen him do time and time again this season. But when that interior, you know, is getting wrecked, uh, or one particular player on the interior is getting wrecked, you know, that's going to create a lot of problems for the Falcons offensive line, as we've been discussing ad nauseum for the last four months. So I am giving them sympathy, sympathy points. I'm sorry when I'm giving them a C because probably normal circumstances, 
had they been fully healthy and we gotten the same type of performance, I probably would have knocked them down to a C minus or even maybe even a D plus if I was particularly feeling moody that day. Uh, so a C is actually better than, you know, they probably would deserve on any other day. Uh, moving on to the rush offense, I gave that unit an A. You know, what the offensive line lacked in terms of holding up and pass protection, they seemed to make up for in terms of their run blocking. This was one of the more efficient run games of the season for the Falcons. They had 20 design runs for a combined 89 yards, and they had a success rate of 70%. They were really effective in short yardage in this game, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, if they hadn't gotten into a hole in the second half, uh, particularly capitalizing on that initial interception at the start of the third quarter and, and potentially, you know, had they pushed their lead to 22 to 14 or even gotten a field goal in that situation, I feel like the Falcons could have been a little bit more committed to running the football late in the game. Um, you know, everybody focuses on that last possession and the non-score and the, the blown call or whatever you want to call it. But I, I really feel like the opening possession in the third quarter really killed this team more so than anything. They started out that drive after the Olakun interception. I'm sorry, Oluakun interception, because I know one of you guys in the comments always calls me out when I mispronounce his name, the Oluakun interception. Um, and they started out at the Bills 25 yard line already in field goal range, but uh, they wound up moving backwards in that situation. And the fact that they wound up getting no points in that situation, let alone getting a touchdown there uh, really hurt them. We know that the Falcons margin for error is really thin, whether you want to blame that on the lack of talent, whether you want to blame that on the coaching, whatever you want to blame it on, you know, I personally blame it on both, but we spend probably a little bit more time talking about the coaching because I don't think it gets enough coverage elsewhere. But, you know, that's what we're really talking about, where this team can't really afford to miss those opportunities when they are afforded them because they just don't have whatever you want to call it, talent, coaching, et cetera, to, to have, you know, to make more opportunities for themselves. Uh, so, you know, you know, even if you only get three points there, the rest of the game goes exactly how it went. You know, the bills are instead of being up two scores and you needing to get seven at the end of that game uh, on that sort of um, Matt Ryan scramble, you can settle for a field goal there and, and still, you know, be down one score and have an opportunity to get a stop and, and maybe get the ball back in potentially or whatever the case may be, rather than having to go for it on, you know, third and fourth down uh, from the 16 or whatever the case may be. So a grade for the rushing offense, unfortunately, circumstances prevented the run game from being more involved, particularly in the fourth quarter past defense. I gave that unit a B. Uh, the Falcons defense certainly deserves credit for making the plays that they made. All three of their interceptions weren't like luck or anything like that. All of them were instances where defenders made plays with their, that was deflecting passes like Olakun to the Harmon interception, Walker to the Oluakun interception, or AJ Terrell making a great read on the play. But that being said, I will say that it did feel like Josh Allen probably did a little bit more to stop Josh Allen than the defense did um, overall outside of those three plays, you know, a lot of those passes and other passes, he was throwing lasers that led to some of those deflections from his own receivers that weren't necessarily picked off, but it seemed like most of his misses were not because he was off target or anything. He was just putting a little bit too much mustard on some of those throws. You had some poor decisions and, and whatnot. Um, the Falcons did get some pressure in this game, Unfortunately, every time they seemingly did, 
Josh Allen was able to sort of escape. And that's why the Falcons had zero sacks. I think technically they get finished with one sack on like a, a reverse pass that Stefan Diggs was supposed to throw. And he wound up getting tackled by AJ Terrell for technically a sack because he was attempting to throw the ball or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, there seemed to be like three plays in this game alone where Dante Fowler had Josh Allen dead to rights and Allen managed to escape the Falcons defense. I do think does deserve credit though, for playing above expectation. You know, we could have easily seen this bills offense, you know, drop a 40 burger on this unit. Uh, they did do some shadowing of Stefan Diggs in the second half. It looked like with AJ Terrell traveling with him and, and playing both sides of the of defense. Um, and, you know, he did a pretty good job. You know, Diggs did get the better of uh, Terrell. I'm sorry on a, on a number of plays, particularly early in the game, but it did feel like Diggs was relatively quiet in the second half of the game uh, when they started shadowing him. So that's a credit. Oh, go back and check the film to confirm that or whatever the case may be. But, you know, if we're looking at AJ Terrell's body of work and we've, we've got now like basically five games where he's been asked to shadow guys against Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, and now Stefan Diggs, you know, he's done pretty good against Diggs and Thielen. Um, and Thomas and, and Evans gave him the most problems uh, in those games. And Allen did give him problems, but a lot of it was just basically like he couldn't stop him on third and two or whatever the case may be. Um, so it does seem like if we're talking about Terrell's limited body of work as a shadow corner, he seems to do much better against uh, speedier, quicker route runners than he does against the bigger physical guys. And if you want to go back to his Jamar Chase game in the national title game two years ago, um, that seems to be also the case where obviously Chase is both big and fast. So it's hard to sort of categorize him, but it, the physicality was clearly uh, probably arguably, let's say a bigger problem for Terrell in that game. So just something to, to, to think about in the future, if we start to see more of Terrell shadowing guys in the future, particularly in 2022. So I think the coverage definitely held up their end of the bargain. The pass rush didn't, even though they did seem to get a little bit more pressure than we've come uh, accustomed to seeing the Falcons uh, defense get this season. Um, you know, maybe that was a testament to the Bills' weak offensive line uh, and some of the issues that they've had up front. Um, you know, you would normally look at the stat sheet and say, oh, Josh Allen had a 17 passer rating through three interceptions. You know, the Bills basically had to abandon a passing game in the second half because of all the struggles that Allen had. That's great pass defense from the Falcons. I'm not going to go that far. You know, again, I think you have to give it some context. Had they gotten Josh Allen on the ground for a couple of sacks, just like two sacks, I probably would have given the pass defense an A in this game. But because the Falcons continue to struggle and struggled mightily in this game to contain a mobile quarterback, which has been a problem throughout the season, you know, that, that reared his head, his ugly head once more. So I had to take points away. So I wind up with just a B, large part due to the turnovers. Uh, rush defense, I gave that a D. Bills had 233 yards on the ground, 110 by Devin Singletary, 81 by Josh Allen, 39 by Zach Moss. Overall, the Bills had a success rate of 65% on 37 design runs. Uh, that was a total of 191 yards on the 37 design plays. 45 of Josh Allen's yards came on four scrambles. Eight of Allen's 15 carries were design runs. His success rate on those eight runs was 100% for 39 yards with two touchdowns. Single Terry had 23 yard, 23 runs for 110 yards. His success rate was 52%, um, but it was only 29% in the first half. 
which meant that, you know, basically outside those Allen runs in the first half, the Falcons run defense did reasonably show up in the first half and kept that bills in check. But in the second half, Singletary basically took over, had a success rate of like 63% on like 16 or 17 carries or whatever it was. So I'm not going to give them an F just because they started out reasonably strong. Okay. Um, But I'm going to definitely give them a D uh, you know, Allen's running and Singletary's dominance in the second half certainly are deserving of a D, but I'll give them some credit for, you know, the first quarter and in parts of the second quarter where they were seemingly keeping that running game in check. Uh, special teams, I give that unit a B. Um, you know, this was arguably Thomas Borsett's worst game, although let's make it clear he did not play poorly in this game. He was not a poor punter in this game. Uh, certainly conditions were a factor in this. He still did his job ably. Uh, it's just, he's been so incredible these last several weeks, uh, that, you know, this game stood out as like, oh, he's just a normal, but he's human now. All right. He's not the demigod that was sent from Zeus to save the Falcon special teams. Um, you know, young way as usual, did his thing. Obviously Williams made that big play at the beginning of the game, but outside of that, like coverage units weren't great in this game. Again, nothing major, but just the bills were when they were able to return kicks for the most part, were able to get positive field position. Um, and then the Falcons return game didn't really do a whole lot to help them out with the field position game. So, um, you know, B is a, pretty much on par for the special teams. Uh, so this does wind up resulting in their highest graded loss of the season that I've given so far. And one of the higher graded games that they've had, I think the only games collectively that graded out higher were the Dolphins, Jets and Panthers wins. Um, and so we'll see, you know, what happens next week with how they grade out, but you could certainly say looking at the grades um, and sort of doing the calculations that if you look at the first seven weeks of the season and we'll see what happens next week, but um, it looks like at least theoretically the last seven games of the season compared to those first seven games are slightly better than they were. So if you want to make the case that the Falcons did improve over the course of the season, you can make that case based off of that. Although when you really take a deep look at it, it's really the special teams improvement that has led to the improved grade overall. And again, it's a slight improvement. You got like a, the passing offense took a step back largely due to the offensive line. The running offense did take a step forward and the defense was basically the same, although they did have some more positive performances in the second half of the season, but some negative ones also to in the mix there as well. So, um, that's we'll do it for our grades and we'll wrap up with sort of the big topic of the day, talking about how this team was finally tough and competitive against a quality opponent. And what are our takeaways from that as we continue today's lockdown Falcons, but again, always have more recommendations for what your second listen uh, on the lockdown podcast network should be. And of course, why not check out Peacock and Williamson or locked on NFL show. If you want to get the low down on all the games, all the action that occurred on Sunday um, and get the updates. And of course you can find the locked on NFL podcast or Peacock and Williamson on all the same podcast platforms. You can find locked on Falcons. So I know when you get stuck in bumper to bumper traffic, especially for those of you that live in the Atlanta area or wherever you call home, you wind up burning through a ton of gas. Why not get some cash back so that you can save at the pump and you can with the app called get upside. When you open an account on get upside, you get 25 cents back per gallon. Every time you fill up over time, that kind of savings starts to add up. Some people make as much as two, $300 a month with get upside. 
And you not only save at the pump, but you also have multiple cash out options. You can get a direct payment into your bank account. You can use PayPal. I personally get all mine sent to an Amazon gift card so I can then go, you know, ham on Amazon. Uh, and now in this post holiday season, and when you open an account with get upside, you can use the special promo code touchdown and you can get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app available in the app store or on Google play and use our promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So guys, we'll wrap up today by basically saying this is what I've been talking about. We don't have a lot to say here to close out the show. This is what I've been talking about where I feel like, you know, when we get into this whole talent and they lack it and all these various things. And I'm like, look, we, this team should be more competitive. This is to me what I'm talking about. They had a game plan. They, for the most part, particularly in the, in the first half of the game, were able to execute that game plan circumstances um, as well as, you know, a couple of failures on that opening drive in the third quarter uh, led to them not being able to execute that game plan as effectively in the second half, which, you know, happens, um, you know, but that game plan, they wanted to run the ball effectively. They did. Uh, they wanted to take some shots. They did, they, particularly with that pitch play uh, that helped set up that one score, um, you know, and if you want to sit here and say, OK, this game shows what lacking in talent that they had. They lack the talent. They lack the depth to finish the game. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the Bills pass rush being too much for this Falcons offensive line. Sure. Absolutely. Bills have, again, based off of the, depending on what website you look at, the Bills have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL based off of pressure. And we know that the Falcons have one of the weaker pass, pass protections uh, in the NFL based off of pressure. Um, if you want to sit here and say that the, the Bills run game was too much for the Falcons, uh, lack of talent on the defensive front of side of the ball, sure, absolutely. You want to sit here and say that Josh Allen uh, was too much, uh, too talented a quarterback for this Falcons, you know, pass defense to slow down, although they did create some turnovers there. Sure, I'd be 100% on board. It's not... And it's never been that, you know, talent is not an issue. It's basically like talent isn't an issue for this team to be a well-coached football team, which is what I think they look like today. And that means getting two, possibly three quarters of tough, competitive football where you're able to do the things that you want to do. Again, it's a flip side of what we saw last week against the Detroit Lions where the Lions had a game plan. They went out and executed that game plan for three and a half quarters until the very end of the game. I mean, really the last play of the game was when they didn't finally did not execute their game plan as they had drawn it up. So, you know, if you want to sit here and say like, Oh, well, Aaron, you know, if you, some reason like I'm I'm now on your side, but like if you're still argumentative, well, well, Aaron, you know, who cares if they look good this week? It was the snow, it was the conditions that were the equalizer or whatever the case may be. And you're like, okay, cool. You know, I joked on Twitter, like, you know, the Falcons, if the Falcons have to move to Calgary in order to get, you know, more games like this, then let's do it. You know, it's I'm sure it'll save you on gas. Uh well, getting to Calgary won't, won't save you on gas, but I'm pretty, I, I'd make a, a safe bet that the traffic in Calgary is not nearly as bad in Atlanta. If you can get through the winters, uh, you, you'll be all right. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sorry. So, you know, like we, we needed the bills to play down in this game, right? They did. Uh, we needed the Falcons to play up. They did. 
uh, particularly with their run game and the, and the bills playing down with the turnovers and whatnot. But like, again, we'll take what we can get, you know, as I often say, beggars can't be choosers on, on this podcast and we'll take what we can get. And so if we, we get a bad game from the bills that leads us to being competitive against them, then so be it. Um, you know, again, this is what we've been talking about, or at least what I've been talking about all year long in wanting a competitive game for at least a large chunk of the game. And we saw that in, certainly in the first half uh, against a good team. This is my expectation, what we should see from the Falcons, if not every week, then most weeks this season. And unfortunately, we, we only got it one week, in my humble opinion, out of the 17 games that we have seen so far or 16 games that we have seen so far, 17 weeks that we have seen so far. So we'll see if we get another one of these in week 18, whether or not this is going to be the confidence booster for the Falcons to finish this season strong. And even if we're sitting here saying, Hey man, the Falcons played really solid in two weeks at the end of the season, then we'll take again, beggars can't be choosers. We'll take that momentum into the off season. We'll see what we can do against the saints, whether we can get that clean sweep of the saints. That certainly will leave a much um, more flavorful, you know, something like coconut almond built bar uh, type of flavor in your mouth, or, you know, maybe you're a cookies and cream guy. I don't know uh, what, whatever your flavor is, you know, a, a better taste in our mouth. Uh, at the end of the season, if we can get that sweep of the Saints and and potentially knock them out of the postseason. Um, I don't know what the final score of that Saints game was when I started recording. The Saints were up 12 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I imagine if the, you know, I, I think if they wind up holding on to win that game uh, and Minnesota loses on Sunday night to the Packers, then the Saints still have a, a playoff shot. Uh, and so the Falcons will have an opportunity to, you know, end their hopes and their dreams of a postseason berth. Again, they, they got slim chances because they, they're going to need some help from both the 49ers and Eagles and whatnot in, in week 17. But, um, you know, that will be a, an excellent way to end this 2021 season and start the 2022 calendar year with a solid, you know, loss if you can say that against the bills in a solid win against the saints. And I know for some of you guys, you tankers out there, you know, I, I can't wait for you guys to be complaining about the Falcons ruining their draft chance. If they wind up beating the saints next week, there's nothing that is more music to my ears. Like I understand why people get upset. That the Falcons are, you know, I'm not going to argue with you that they're not ruining their draft situation. I just think it's funny that people complain about a thing. Like, it's, you know, to me, it's like complaining about a, plumber fixing your pipes like how dare you do the job that you are paid money to do you know like that's what football players do they're played they're paid to play and win the game right so we'll see how that plays out we'll got you covered uh more on that later this week we'll have some guests to come on and talk about not only this uh bill's loss but more things going on with this team as the week unfolds but guys, I appreciate you for tuning in for another rapid reaction. I hope that you got some positivity out of this game like I did, at least if only for a half of watching the Falcons actually look like a competent team that could go toe to toe with one of the better teams, a team that has Super Bowl aspirations uh, for at least a half. You know, I enjoyed that. I hope you did, too. Um, and so, you know, we'll we'll take these moral victories or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, if that's all we can get, then that's what we're going to get. You know, you get what you get. You don't pitch a fit is what they used to say in kindergarten. Uh, so we will be treated like kindergartners and, and we will get what we get and we won't pitch a fit. Uh, and so we'll just sort of have to see what unfolds in this final week of 
this season for the Falcons. And of course, I'll keep you covered here on the Locked On Falcons podcast. Appreciate it, guys. And before we duck out of here, got to let you know about the Locked On Bets podcast. Again, in addition to Locked On Bulldogs, Peacock Williamson, Locked On NFL, you got to check out Locked On Bets if you want to get the lowdown on all the smart bets, whether it's for this final week of the season, but you also want to start listening to Lee Sterling's daily picks, his blowout specials and his lock of the day, because it's not just football, it's basketball, it's hockey. It's all the things that Lee's covering on the Locked On Bets podcast. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On Bets on your favorite podcast platform. Appreciate it, guys. Until then.